Hope you have a copy of God's word. Please turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 7, as we behold God's living word. Is it not true for any of us who are getting older, which is everyone in the room, that life is picking up speed? Every passing year feels quicker than the one before. I've heard it said before that the days are long, but the years fly by. Is it not true? Late English humorist Terry Pratchett said, inside every old person is a young person wondering what happened. (laughs) Youth and health leave so quickly, and then old age arrives, and with it brings persistent health issues, mounting sorrows. None of us can escape the aging trajectory that we are all on. Nobody avoids it, even though society tries its best to avoid it with different age management techniques and different plastic surgeries. The book of Ecclesiastes spoils man's wisdom, and it helps teach us that we're not going to avoid aging or dying, so you better prepare for it. And that's really where we find ourselves in the text today. That's what the preacher wants us to embrace are these realities. Your pending death ought to motivate your current life. As one author says, putting one foot in the grave is the way to plant one foot on the path of life. The preacher today kind of melts some motifs that he's been going over throughout the book of Ecclesiastes In fact, one of those is death. In in chapter 1, it talks about how generations come and generations go. In chapter 3, he told us that there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. And today, he's going to teach us that there's a time to be young and there's a time to be old. And then there's a time to go to the dust. And so we must prepare for this accordingly. He's going to give us two commands, actually, from this text. And they're intricately linked together. The the first command is to rejoice. And the second command is to remember. Specifically, remember your creator. Uh, The entire book of Ecclesiastes is rooted all all the way in its uh, deepest place in the fear of God. We are to walk through this life by remembering who God is. And when we do... When we are young, we will rejoice, and when we are old, we will rejoice. The main point of our passage today is this. Rejoice in the life you have been given, and remember your creator. Rejoice in the life you have been given, and remember your creator. Now, this is going to be instruction primarily for the young, and we'll define that here momentarily. But every saint in the room today, a part of this congregation, can find encouragement from God's word to remember the creator. And that really is the the basis of the teaching here. We see in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 that to remember the fear of the Lord and things will go well for us. Uh, In verses 7 through 10 is where we're going to find kind of our first point for today. I'm just going to read the the first couple of verses before we extract our first point. Verse 7, he says, Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. 
So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer in the days of your youth. That verse 9, it says, rejoice, young man, in your youth. That's where we're going to get our first point today. Rejoice in your youth. Now, when he says youth, he's not just talking about youth group or, or young adults. He's really kind of talking about anybody that feels that their body has some bounce in it, has some spring in it, and you're not characterized by the aging effects that we'll get to in chapters 12, verse 3 through 8. Anyone who still operates as if they won't die. That's kind of uh, what he's talking about here. And he commands us in this little section to rejoice. It's not a suggestion. It's actually a command. Uh, Verse 7 and 8 is kind of a prelude before we get into the meat of the text. But look with me in verse 7. He says, light is sweet and it's pleasant for the eyes to to see the sun. Essentially, what he's saying is life is a good gift from a good God, a gracious God, a merciful God. Derek Kidner, a theologian, says that this term light here is talking about the bliss of being alive. Uh, We love to see light. Uh, The sun, when it rises in the morning, is pleasant to our eyes. In the creation account, in Genesis chapter 1, we see that there's a darkness over the face of the deep until God says, let there be light. Such an illustration for us to consider. You know when you're thirsty in the middle of the night and you need a glass of water, what's the first thing you do? You turn the light on. Because you know that light helps you see where you need to go so that you can enjoy what you need in that moment. Simply put, God has made a good creation. And without the sun, we cannot see the things that God has made for us to enjoy. We cannot see because if there is darkness. And so we become very grateful for light. So light helps us to navigate this world. And in a sense, when the light comes on, we're able to see the things that God has provided to us rightly if everything is rooted in the fear of God and the enjoyment of the gifts that God gives to us. Now look with me in verse 8. It says, so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. So if a person lives many years, the preacher is saying, let him rejoice in all the years that he lives. And this is coming right after he has just said that light is sweet and that the sun is pleasant to the eyes. If we are going to rejoice throughout this life, we need to remember that there is suffering coming. Did you notice how rejoice and remember are both there in verse 8? Let him rejoice in all the days of his life, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. So look what he says. There's going to be days of darkness. Yet he's also saying you can rejoice in all the years of your life. And then he says that all of it is vanity that comes. Everything is fleeting. Everything is meaningless. Everything that you're going to experience in this life that is dark will just be a vapor. But 
things here that he's talking about, he's not just talking about the day of death, because look how he says you need to remember that the days of darkness will be many. He's talking in the plural here. I think he's talking about different experiences and vexations that we go through throughout this life. We're going to have hard days. That is a guarantee. We're going to have failures that destroy our hopes. Uh, some of us are going to have miscarriages or are going to be unable to, to, to bear children. Some of us are going to have financial struggles, broken relationships. We're, we're, we're about to talk about the process of aging, and that, and that brings dark days with it. The reality is this life is difficult because we're living under the sun. Yet he's still saying there's a way that you can rejoice while you live under the sun. How can we live in days of darkness? How can we rejoice in days of darkness? Well, may I suggest to you that the way to live well in the days of darkness is to consider God's provisions for you. And his examples here are light and the pleasantries of the sun, but, but he's, he's talking about something more. He's talking about the graces and the mercies that God has bestowed upon us. Are you a student of your own history in the way that God has provided for you? In the way that he has given gifts to you? In the way that he has loved you and provided for you? And these are meant to be anchors for you while you walk in this life. Throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, he's commanded us to rejoice seven times. Rejoice in the things that God gives like food and drink and work. And we've been talking about these things all along. We're to enjoy them, and then we're to remember that it's going to get hard, but we can be anchored when the, when the tough day comes. Have you had a time in your life when you've walked through darkness, and yet you've seen God sustain you? I've, I, I'm looking at some of your faces now, and I know that you've walked through suffering, yet you've seen the goodness of God still being poured out on your life. And he is getting to that point right here. He, he's wanting us to go back to the goodness of God so that we build within our understanding the character of God that is always for us, constantly caring for us. Even when it's dark, I like to go camping. And uh, the best time to camp, in my opinion, is the fall and the spring. And sometimes I go too late in the fall, and sometimes I go too early in the spring. And oftentimes, it's cold in both of those scenarios. For, so from 2 to 4 in the morning, I'm constantly wanting the sun to come up, uh, to be warmed and heated uh, because I am cold in my tent. I'm able to remember the warmth of the sun because I've previously experienced the warmth of the sun. We know that good is coming on the other side of darkness because we've experienced it already. It's essentially what he is saying here. Now, let's get in kind of the meat of the text. Listen to what he says in verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. He specifically addresses the young person here. And notice that he's not reproving the young person. He's simply saying that he wants your heart to have cheer. He wants you to be happy in the early days of your life because you will not always be young. You will not always have strength in your legs. You will not always have eyesight that works well. 
you will not always be able to sing. And so he is wanting you to listen and to have cheer in your heart. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to find joy in the things that God gives to you. Be active. Use your mind. Uh, be physical. Enjoy life. Even if you feel like you are unable to die. That's what he's saying. And we all kind of fall into that trick a little bit. Like we, we look at an old picture uh, of someone who's older now and they, and they look young and we're like, that has no connection to us, right? We don't really think they were young and now they're old. It's just somewhere woven in us. But take advantage of your youth is what he is saying here. Now in verse 9, he says, walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. Now, this isn't a contradiction to passages like Jeremiah 17, 9 that says the heart is desperately wicked or going against Paul's teaching that says we're to walk by faith and not by sight. He's not saying that. That would be a contradiction to the entire book of Ecclesiastes as well as the word of God. What he's saying is, it's, it's really kind of a counsel from an older person to a younger person. Hey, enjoy the fact that you can think well today. Enjoy the fact that the sun has been made. And the way that you do that rightly is by considering God who made them, who gave you strength in your legs, who gave you the ability to enjoy these things. Pursue them and enjoy them while you can is essentially what he is saying, young person. Again, young person is anyone who kind of has some bounce in their step, all right? Let's just define it that way for, for right now. Because there's certain things that you can only enjoy for a little while. There's only certain things that you can enjoy for a while. There's certain things that we'll be able to enjoy all of our life. But there's certain things God has given gifts uh, in certain ways that we can only enjoy for a while. And look what he does. He tethers this to a command. Look with me in verse, second part of verse 9. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Now, these things that he's talking about are the good gifts that God gives, the provisions that God gives. Remember, because it's following the instruction to rejoice. This is what the preacher is saying. We will be held accountable, listen to this, as to whether or not we enjoyed the gifts of God. Uh, wh whether we considered and were thankful for his provisions. The provisions that he gives us are to show us the goodness and the love of God. They're not just gifts that can stand on their own. They're actually tethered themselves to the goodness of God. And so enjoy them. Rejoice in your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart. He's not talking about just walking any way you want to. Uh, he's not just talking about living some hedonistic lifestyle. No, it's always rooted in walking in the fear of God when we're talking about the book of Ecclesiastes. So the, the failure to rejoice or the failure to walk is actually to reject, in a sense, the goodness of God. To, to, to reject his very character. A failure to enjoy the things that God provides is an offense to the Most High. Have you ever thought about life that way? This is... God, we sometimes think that God doesn't want us to enjoy life. God wants us to enjoy life to the fullest. 
If we think that God does not want us to enjoy life, then we have a wrong and skewed view of God. A grave misunderstanding, I would actually say. It's a divine decree from God to enjoy him. Listen to what Moses says in Deuteronomy 28 to the people of Israel. Because you do not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart, because of the abundance of all the things, so they're getting wrapped up in all the things that God has given, but they're not joyfully and thankfully worshiping God, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord God set against you. So there's judgment when we don't enjoy God and the things that God has given us rightly. So the call is to rejoice, young person. And the older call to the older saint is to rejoice as you remember, as we'll get to here momentarily, for the older person. So rejoice and do not delay in this. People who are generally healthy and young think that they will live forever, don't you? Right? That, that's, a, that's a warning uh, to all of us that we won't. Old age will come, even if we don't think that it will. And, and so the tendency is to think, well, I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll be a faithful husband tomorrow. I'll really put more time into it tomorrow. I'll speak to my children about the things of God tomorrow. I'll use my singleness in a way that serves God tomorrow because I'll have the time. If we're not thinking today about the goodness of God, we will not be ready for the day that lies ahead. So do not delay. While you're young, let your heart be cheered in the things of God. Your future is bright. You don't have as many burdens to carry today as you one day will. So set your heart on the things of God and rejoice. That's what the preacher is saying here. And we all fall victim to the thought of one day I will live for God. If you're in the youth group uh, or if you're in college and you're thinking, I'm learning all this stuff and one day I'm going to apply it. The call for faithfulness is to enjoy the things of God today. Rejoice in who he is and how he loves you and has cared for you. And you've seen this provision already. You know his name. The fact that you know his name is God's provision for you. So look at the right things that God has made in the right way. And remember that light is sweet. And the sun sun has pleasantries attached to it. And if you do not see the things that God has made rightly, Judgment is attached to it, which means you could be trickling into sin. Or you could be uh, considering the things that God has given you in the wrong light. So we want you, I'm going to just pastor you for a moment, cultivate the things of God into your heart. This is everyone in the congregation, not just the young, but the young in particular. Cultivate the deep truths, the riches of God's word in your heart. Water your heart with the word. Every day, water it. Pray in the spirit all the time. Have fellowship with God. This is, this is the great blessing of being a part of the redeemed, is that you can know the God of, the crea- of creation and you can talk to him whenever you want. You can thank him for all the things that he has given at all hours of the day. Make your heart happy. This is where real, deep rejoicing is found, is at the throne of God. 
And you might be sitting there going, yeah, but how do I grow in rejoicing? How do I do that? Well, let, let's start here. Grow a heart of gratitude. Even if it's the small things. In fact, I would encourage you to start with the small things. Be thankful for the small things. You cannot rejoice if you're not thankful for something. I love David Gibson's book, Living Life Backwards, about the book of Ecclesiastes. He, he tells this really great story about John Stott, who was a pastor in England and a theologian. And, and every day at 4.30, he had an assistant who would come in and bring him coffee. And every day he would say, I am unworthy for the coffee. And the assistant, who I'm sure had been shepherded for many years by Stott, would always respond, sure you are. Or excuse me, uh, would respond, no you're not. And Stott, and Stott would constantly respond back to her, you have gotten the theology of grace all wrong. The point is, she hadn't figured out the grace of God, because if you figure out the grace of God, you can be thankful for the, even the small things that God provides in life. Thank you for the cup of coffee. If you don't know the grace of God towards you, you will not grow in gratitude. You will not grow uh, in gratitude for even a cup of coffee, much less the kingdom of God that has been given to you by Christ Jesus the Lord. A good question to ask yourself is, do you live in wonder of the provisions of God for you? Or, or, or do you constantly act as if God has slighted you in some way? Ask yourself that question and maybe express it in the small groups or in your friend groups this week. The result of a cultivated heart in the things of God is the grateful heart for the things that God gives but I'm not just talking about the things that God gives. I, I'm talking even more about recognizing that it is God who gives the gifts. It is God that has cared for you in the deep ways, in the, in the deep places of your life and in, in your heart. If you know God, then you can look at the sun rightly. If you know God, you can extend forgiveness willingly. So know God. All things in this life must be filtered through the lens of God's goodness. So are you grateful today? If you're not grateful today, you won't rejoice. Are you grateful today? When was the last time you thanked God? And I'm not just saying for the gifts that God has given. Again, I, I, I'm talking about are you grateful for who God is and why he's given you the gifts? C.S. Lewis talks about these shafts of light that come through a, a barn door, and you can kind of see the light uh, between every plank, and, and, and it's connected to the source, which is the sun. My encouragement to you is to follow those shafts of light, those gifts that God gives back to the source, because the source is the sun, and he's the one who's given, to you, given you those gifts. Are you thankful for God today for his love and his care for you? The fact that you have rhythm in your heart right now and air in your lungs, and you can think, and you can talk, and you can eat, and you can enjoy fellowship, and then also you can know the living God of the cosmos. When we don't rejoice, look what can creep in, verse 10. Vexation and pain. He says, remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Vexation is anxiety here. Anxiety drains rejoicing. 
So the preacher says, remove it. Uh, Remove it. Don't allow vexation into your heart is what Solomon is saying. It it steals you uh, of your peace and robs you of your joy. Don't let it take up residency. I don't even remember the anxieties of 10 years ago of of being a father for the first time. I don't remember them. I have new vexations today, but I don't remember the old ones. It's amazing how they can push down on your chest today, but tomorrow you're not even going to remember them. So they don't really have living power. And he says to to remove them. Uh, Paul says in Philippians 4, to not be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. And then he says, do so with a thankful heart. So it's connected even in Philippians 4, the very thing that the preacher is bringing out here. Christ commands the very thing in Matthew, same thing in Matthew chapter 6 when he says, do not worry about what you will eat and wear. How many of you are wondering where your next paycheck is coming? Or or if you're going to have enough for savings in the future. He says, do not worry about what you will eat and wear. God knows what you need. That's what Jesus says. He knows what you need. But we, here's the reality, we like to control things in our life. And if we fail to think that God is in control, vexations begin to flourish. That's that's the reality. But we can know because of the character of God that if we cast our cares upon him, he will care for us. If we are honest, we would see these anxieties, these vexations, are actually little idols hidden in our heart that have taken up residency. Anxiety is fed by the little thought that you must control the circumstances of your life. And when you don't control the circumstances of your life, vexation flourishes. And that's why we see so many people struggling in this world right now because they're trying to control life. They're trying to live outside of God's beautiful design for them. And so depression and anxiety are just flourishing. And I'm not saying that there's not real depression in this world. And we can tend to those things by different means and particularly the word of God. But but he's saying here that to remove vexation, to remove the unnecessary stresses and anxieties of life. Beloved, the same spirit of God that raised Christ from the tomb dwells in your heart. He has the power to raise a dead body to life. He has the power to push your vexations aside and to take up residency and for you to be renewed by the spirit of God through the power of God for the glory of God. But if you have fears in your life, uh, here's what I would encourage you to do. Write those things down and take them to the word of God and let God say something about them. Let God say something about them. If you're alone, if you're alone today, uh, whether you're a widow or a widower or a single person or, or, or you're alone in your marriage, whatever loneliness looks like, remember what God's word says. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Christ was forsaken for us on the cross so that we are not forsaken in this life. You are not alone, Christian. Are you afraid of dying? Remember what Christ says, or what Paul says, that to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. Are you afraid of suffering? 
Remember what Paul says through his living word, that affliction is light and momentary. It's temporary. It has no hold on you truly. If you are trying to figure out your identity and you're, and you're worried and it's bringing vexations into your heart today, you have a new identity in Christ Jesus. And when the Father looks at you, he sees Christ. Be encouraged in the deep places of your heart. Remove sorrow. Enjoy your youthly responsibilities. Don't idolize your youth. What happens when you idolize your, your, your youth is you let these vexations, these cares of the world creep into your heart and become idols. And then look what he says. He says, remove pain. That's an interesting word there in the Hebrew. It's actually remove evil. Remove sin from your body. He's saying repent. Turn back to God. Life is a gift from God. Live out your life the way that God intended you to live your life under the sun. Maybe some of you today need to repent, to turn back to God, to, to put a mindset of the grace of God on your heart again and then walk towards him. All this pain, this vexation has an answer. And that is to submit ourselves to the God who made all things, who redeemed us, and who has fellowship with us now through Christ Jesus. Now, the preacher has driven this point home. I hope I'm driving this point home to us today, driving this point home so that we can enjoy life rightly while we're young, for those of you who are young. So in, in an effort for the reader to help kind of understand this further, he's about to lead the reader then down the, the kind of a poetic road of what it looks like to get older, uh, what the aging process looks like. And the, and the point of that is to urge the younger listener uh, to put the practice of the worship of God and to enjoy the things of God rightly into practice before you get older, uh, to enjoy the sun because it won't always be there is essentially what he's about to say. And it's beautiful how he says it. it. It's raw and it's real, yet it's also beautiful. Look with me in verse 1 of chapter, chapter 12. He says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. And that's our second point. Remember your creator. And then he says in this little passage, before, three times. The first one is found there in verse 1. Before the evil day comes and your years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. The command is very simple. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. It's interesting that he says creator instead of the usual title, God. It's purposeful. Remember the one who formed you and fashioned you. And, and, the, and the application is for everyone here, for the older and the younger. Remember your creator. Uh, remember the one who made you and who is maker. He's not just talking about, like, remember facts about God. He's saying you must remember God. You must position yourself before God so that you can trust him, so that you can walk in your ways, so that you can obey him before it's too late is what he's saying. It doesn't, uh, it means uh, don't live life without thinking about the deep realities of your creator. And he's not saying that you can't when you're older. Uh, there's deathbed confessions all the time, but what he's saying for the younger, he's giving instruction to the younger, do this so that you can walk and rejoice while you're younger. So remember him before your evil, painful days come, the days that you won't enjoy. And remember the backdrop of Ecclesiastes is the creation account. 
God created everything and he said that it was good. But man didn't think it was good. And so he is kind of reminding us here to be satisfied with God's creation because we're satisfied in who God is. And this is how you do that. We question his goodness, do so before it's too late. Now, look what he says. There's an urgency in verse 2. Before light gives way to darkness, he says. So he's just talking about the sweet light and the pleasant sun. Enjoy and rejoice in these things before these things go away. And what he's talking about, look with me in verse 2. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds returned after the rain. He's talking about just general desolations of old age. Light gets dim. Your sight goes down. Faculties begin to fade. Look what he says in verse 3. He kind of says the body is like a house. In the day when the keeper of the house is... The keepers of the house tremble. He's talking about hands. When you get older, your, your hands begin to shake. And the strong men are bent. He's talking about the legs and how they don't bear weight anymore. And the grinders cease because they are few. He's talking about teeth. Teeth fall out. They're not, they're not as uh, useful as they used to be. And those who, through, uh, who, who look through the windows are dimmed. He's talking about the eyes. I'm, I'm in my 40s now. I cannot see the way I used to. I can't imagine what 80 is like. It begins to be taken from you. Verse, verse 4, and the, and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low. He's talking about how your ears begin to go. And you can't listen the way that you used to. And he says, and one rises up to the sound of a songbird. It used to be many, but now just one rises up. And all the daughters of song are brought low. He's talking about how hard it is for an older person to wake up in the morning. Verse 5, they are afraid also of what is high and the terrors of what is in the way. Just the dangers of, of falling over as an old person and getting tripped up and the dangers of what happens when you, you trip and fall. The almond tree blossoms. Our older saints have white hair. Have you noticed that? The grasshopper drags itself along. It used to be the grasshopper that was spry and, and bouncy, but it's not anymore. Desire fails. Probably talking about sexual desire, which is interesting that it's placed here because Solomon had a lot of experience in this area. He says, because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Beloved, what he's talking about here in this metaphorical language is that the body is shutting down. It's not working the way that it used to. It's a, it's a decreation in a sense. God creator. Even as we are being decreated back into the dust, God, remember God, your creator is what he is saying. This is the cycle of our bodies before we go back to the dust. He continues with poetic language in verses 6, 7, and 8. Before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel is broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. These are expressions of death. And each of these in verses 6 through, uh, six through 8 are drawing on water. All of these are little tools used to gather water, and at one point they break. 
and they can't get water anymore, and it's talking about our bodies. The flesh goes back to the dust, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. A person goes home. This is God's response to sin. Remember the curse from the dust you, you came and the dust you shall return? We are essentially unmade because of our sin. This is the reality of life. To the young person, my encouragement to you is to live for God's glory now, today. Let today be the day of your salvation. Rejoice. Serve the Lord while you're strong. Remember your creator as you walk under the sun because you will not always be able to walk and you will not always be able to see the sun. Gibson says that in your earlier years, your life is really kind of building a house. You can either build for yourself a prison or a palace when you're older. Uh, one day you will be older, and though your body gives out, that doesn't mean you can't rejoice because you remember your creator. But build the house today because tomorrow you will be old. You will be old. I thought about oh, this a lot. Just thinking about my parents this week. I just, just thinking about the people in my life, I've just seen get older. Saints in this church, I hope we're smart to think about this and to see what he's talking about here. To the older saint, oh. Growing old is sad. That's what Ecclesiastes is telling us. There's times that it's lonely. There's times where it's painful. Your teeth don't work the way that they used to. You can't see like you did. You don't have as many opportunities to see your friends. But there is so much dignity and respect that the preacher is talking about here. We see in Psalm 116 that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the aging of his saints. You are going back to the dust, perhaps quicker, who knows, God knows. But that does not mean there is not hope. That doesn't mean that there's not hope for you. Even if the world and society cast you off, Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Do not lose heart. Though your outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And young people, can I encourage you? What a sweet gift it is to be a part of this church with five living generations in it. Go sit at the feet of the older generation who enjoyed and rejoiced in their Lord in young ages and who is holding on to their creator as they get older because we are filled with them in this church. Go sit at their feet. Learn from them. Talk to them. Talk about life. Don't waste it. Take them to lunch. Take them to coffee. They'll tell you they're not worthy of it. Remember your creator, congregation. Your bodies are failing, but God is good. To the older, I do want to encourage you to remember your creator and to rejoice. Because dust is not the end of the story. 
for any of us. Uh, death is a decreation of sorts. It, it's a guaranteed process, and some of us are farther along in the process than others. But death does not have the final say. Do you remember what happens when death enters the world? God immediately comes to Adam and Eve and said, hey, there is going to be a seed that comes from woman. And he is going to be the living one. And he is actually going to crush death forever by dying. He's going to take the curse of death on his shoulders and he's going to destroy it by raising from the dead. Genesis 3.15. This is the gospel of Christ right here. What hope? It's been absorbed. Death and the curse of death has been absorbed by this promised seed from Genesis 3.15. Listen to Paul's words from Galatians 3. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Beloved, only Christ can make our hearts happy. Only Christ is the reason to rejoice in all things. Only Christ is our hope when we're old, and Christ is our hope when we are young. He is the answer to this curse we speak of today in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you are an unbeliever, I have a question for you. How do, how do you reconcile death? You know it's happening. You know it's coming. My encouragement to you today is to turn to God. Because God who made this earth, the, the creator of this earth, the, the instruction is to remember creator, he is still making new creation today in the hearts of people. He is still saving people today who turn from their sin and trust in him. Let today be the day of your salvation. Three quick, quick takeaways, all right? Number your days. Number your days. Psalm 90 tells us to, re, uh, to number our days, to teach us to number our days, and, to grow, and, and, and by dose, so doing, we grow in a heart of wisdom. Walk well. Enjoy what God has given you, but you will only enjoy what God has given you if you enjoy God himself. Number two, consider your death. Consider your death. What are you doing now for the glory of God? What are you doing now to the glory of God? Young person, how are you living today? How then shall you live? A great book by Francis Schaeffer. If you now know that God is the God of the universe, how then should you live out your life? Because your hope ain't in your college education. Your hope isn't in the job you get. The hope isn't in finding some other significant other. It's not there. So then how will you live today if you know who God is? And then finally, thirdly, remember your creator. Remember your creator. Rest in the fact that those who are in Christ, listen to what it says at the end of Ecclesiastes, the passage we just, your soul will return to the one who gave it. Rest in your creator. Life is not over for you. It's going back to the place that it was intended to dwell. Remember your creator. What do you have, what, do you, what, what anxiety do you have today if this is true? Oh, let the vexations go. What, what fear is there in growing older if you know that your spirit will return to the one who gave it? What hope? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the grace that we have uh, considered today for, through your word. God, I pray that you would make new creation in the hearts of people today.
Those who do not know you, I pray that would come to know you as the one true good God, Father, who oversees all of creation, even our own dying. God, fill us with hope today, with gratitude today, that we may enjoy the things that you give, but only because they are given to us by your hand. So may we enjoy you. So, Father, we pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.